Good morning, church. Um, good to be with you today. We're going to be continuing in the book of John, uh, John 15, starting in verse 18. John 15, starting in verse 18. So as you know, uh, we are living in, in trying times. And one of the things that I like to do when thinking about the complexities of now is to, to read back and look back in history to see what, what people, and particularly what Christians have done in earlier times that could maybe provide for us uh, some wisdom uh, for what to do right now. And so I've been reading about this one guy. He's, a, he's a, an African church father. His name is Cyprian. He lived and ministered in the 200s. And his story is interesting. I just want to tell, tell you a short synopsis of the story. So he was, a, he was a privileged man. He's from a wealthy class. He was educated in law. I mean, he, my man had it all. He had it all. He had the land and the estate and, you know, uh, uh, was associated with those of high class. But it came a point where he submitted to Jesus Christ. He, he heard about Jesus. He heard about the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. And he found the freedom of forgiveness and the freedom of being made new. Not only that, he was ordained to be a pastor and a bishop about two years after he came to know the Lord. Now, what's notable about this man is the time that he lived in. See, uh, Cyprian lived during a time of great persecution and plague. He lived through multiple persecutions of Christians and a large countrywide plague. You know, there was a great plague that happened during this time, and, and it, it's really interesting. Dur- during this sickness, during this plague, Christians gained a reputation for caring for the sick, for making sure that those who um, couldn't get what they, what they needed, make sure that they had them. They, they had this, this um, propensity towards love that expressed itself in risk. Now, they gained this persecution, as, they gained this reputation as, as some who would love and serve their community. So it's quite interesting that the way that his life ended, it was ended by state-sponsored persecution. And he ended up being beheaded. So the question is, if, if this, during this period of time, the church gained this reputation for showing kindness, why in the world did this man become persecuted and executed. See, fundamentally, the lordship or the the, the masterhood or the authority of Christ ran against the lordship and the authority of his culture. See, at that time when plague and and, uh, economic uh, uh, downturn was happening, the, the, the officials of the Roman Empire, they said, you know what, this probably is because of a lack of patriotism, a lack of devotion to our national gods. And so they started making everybody say, you got to sacrifice, you got to burn incense, you need to worship the national gods so that the, the, the pagan gods would have favor on the nation. And, and, and Cyprian said, you know, I, I'm, I'm good with being a citizen here and I'm going to help and serve my fellow citizens, but I will not worship your God. They said, submit to us, and he chose to submit to Jesus instead. And for that, he paid a hefty price. Now, the interesting part about all this is that Jesus foretold that this 
would happen. And this is what our scripture is about today. This is John 15, started in verse 18. It says this, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else had done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this word today is hard, but it is your word. And so I ask that by the spirit, you would open up our eyes, that you would soften our hearts and that you would strengthen us deep in in our inner man so that we would love and serve you. It's in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So verse 18 is interesting. It says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Now, we just got to pause for a minute. Why did people hate Jesus? Like, that sounds crazy. All the stories that we, even if people don't like follow Jesus, the stories that people tell about Jesus are of him doing nice, generous, and kind things. He's going around healing people. He's going around feeding people. He's going around teaching people good things like, hey, you should love the people that, that live next to you. And so the major question is, why in the world did people hate Jesus? It is known that he had a, a reputation for helping the weak and the poor and the mistreated. Why did he end up on the cross, right? It was not because he was a nice guy and people just don't like nice people. That, that's not what happened. Jesus was hated because of his claims of authority. Because he didn't just do nice things, he claimed that he was the Lord, right? He says, I'm the Lord. I am the one who raises the dead. I am the judge and the decider of what is right or wrong. See, Jesus, listen to this. Jesus declared that he was the comprehensive Lord of all things, meaning Every aspect of human life, every aspect of human decision, every emotion, every thought, every idea, every ideology, everything that you could comprehend about this life, Jesus says that I am Lord over that. In fact, all of his teachings are an application of his lordship to specific things. You think about that famous Sermon on the Mount. 
where he says, hey, I am Lord of how you treat one another. You cannot hate your neighbor. Not only that, I'm calling you to love, pray for, and bless your enemy. He says, matter of fact, you just can't do whatever you want to do with your money. You use it generously. Matter of fact, you, you, you can't just uh, say that, that, you can't just make promises and not keep them. You can't do whatever you want to do with your body sexually. You have to submit it to me. It's all of his teachings are him making claims about specific things of your life in which he's saying, I am Lord. Now, here's the deal. His lordship is favorable in some areas, but will always rub against something that groups of people hold dear. In other words, everybody says, Jesus, you can heal me and you can help me, but do not tell me what to do. And even the the conversations that are happening right now in our culture, it's a favoring or a zoning in on some aspects of what Jesus has said while a discarding of what he said about other things. And Jesus is saying, oh, you can't have it both ways. I am the comprehensive Lord or I, or I am not. I'm not Lord of some things. I'm Lord of all things, right? So, so, so he says, we take care of the poor. We take care of the refugee. We don't just say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We, we put money and effort and resources into those who need help. And some people say yes and amen. But not only that, he says, actually, actually I'm, I'm Lord of, of sexuality as well. So, so, so marriage is confined between, between uh, sex is confined between marriage between uh, one man and, and one woman. And that's where it takes place. And if it takes place outside of that, then it's not okay. As a matter of fact, not just that. You can't just have all these feelings and thoughts in your heart. You can't just lust after whoever you would want to. I'm Lord of that. And some people say yes and amen. And some people be opposed. Not only that, he says, hey, hey, matter of fact, you, you, should, you should be submitting to authority. When they came, when Jesus, uh, they came to Jesus and said, you're going to pay taxes, he said, yeah, yeah, give the Caesars what is Caesars. And some people say, yes, yeah, submit to authority. But yeah, he also taught that authority does not exist for those who are in authority. Authority exists to serve people. So if authority is not serving people and is abusing people, that is wrong. Some people say yes and amen. Some people say don't talk about that. And he says, says that, that you should consider others before yourself, that, that you just don't live for your own freedom. Like freedom in the scriptures is always used as service. Jesus had freedom to do anything that he wanted to do. And what he did with his freedom is that he gave it up in order to serve his neighbor. So all these conversations about schools and masks and all these, these, these hot button issues, my fear is that we're not considering others, the vulnerable, the sickly before another. The point being is that if we declare the comprehensive lordship of Jesus Christ about every aspect of life, nobody is going to be in full agreement with that. And Christian, you have to be okay with that. You have to get your mind right for that. All the modern voices want you to choose. You know, we have these conversations about justice and 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 we should have these conversations about justice but we need also need to have conversations about forgiveness 
we have uh, conversations about, about how, how uh, authority should treat those under them. And we need to have those conversations because there shouldn't be abusive authority. But then at the same time, we also have to, to submit to rightful authority. See, whatever side is speaking, whoever, whoever is trying to claim the loudest voice, I'm fearful that most of the time they want Jesus to be Lord of one area, but not all area. There, that, that means that we cannot be discipled by organizations, by news, by political entities. We have to be discipled by Jesus Christ and his scripture. If you find your home comfortably in one organization, if you find your home comfortably in a particular uh, a thought pattern that is not comprehensively what Jesus has said, then maybe you yourself are not comprehensively submitting. So the world hated Jesus because he says, I'm Lord of everything. And some things you like what I say and some things you don't. It doesn't matter. I'm still the Lord. The world will hate us for the same reason. See, we can be nice to people like Jesus was nice to people. Even the guy we talked about in the beginning, Cyprian and the Christians of his time were nice to people, helping people. We can be nice to people, but as soon as we begin to live and proclaim that Jesus is Lord in every area, we will receive pushback. That is the strangeness of being a Christian, is that you don't fit very neatly into a cultural box. You don't fit very neatly into a set of ideas. You don't fit neatly into a political party. This is the strangeness of being a Christian. We have to do some analysis, family. Every thought, every idea, every action, we have to ask ourselves, is this submitted to the Lordship of Christ? Is this loving my neighbor? Is this submitting to the teachings of Jesus? This is important to consider about every, like, like we already know what's the, the, who's taking the conversations. We have people from Black Lives Matter saying things like we should care about justice, and we say yes and amen. We need to care about justice, but we also care about a biblical sexual ethic. We have people here who say we should want peace. We should want submission to authority, and we say yes and amen. amen. We want peace and submission to authority, but we also want to make sure that authority is not abusing power. Being submitted to Jesus means that at some point, at some action, you are going to rub up against every other thing that does not submit wholly to Jesus. And you have to come to terms with that. Verse 19, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. The first thing Jesus says is that you are not of this world. Christians, you are not of this world. We do not belong to the order and the structures of this world because ultimately our allegiance should be to something outside of this world. We belong to the world to come. 
We belong to the king and his kingdom that is coming. See, Jesus has a kingdom. It's coming, and we're citizens of that one. So we act like citizens of that one, which makes us strangers in the one that we live in right now. See, we follow in Jesus' footsteps. So it means that we demonstrate and proclaim his kingdom. And the fact of the matter is that the same responses that Jesus received, we should expect that we would receive them as well. This is conditioned upon how well we imitate Jesus. Now listen, some people are just rude to people and say they're being like Jesus. That's not what we're talking about because they're not comprehensively submitting to Jesus. Jesus calls us to stand firm in truth but to do so with gentleness. But if we, if we imitate Jesus, if we imitate Jesus, how, how, how comprehensively we are able to Im- imitate Jesus, that is how people will respond to us. And beloved, they responded in a couple of ways. Sometimes they responded positively to Jesus. And if somebody responds positively to you because you follow Jesus, then you can't take credit for that because they are responding to the Jesus in you. And if they respond negative to, negatively to you because you proclaim and live out the lordship of Jesus, they're not ultimately rejecting you. They're rejecting the one that came, Jesus himself. So, beloved, we are not of this world. We live as servants of the, our neighbors, but we are not submitted to the world. What I love is this, this news sounds horrible. <laughs> That Jesus is promising this. I'm not promising this. This is from God's word. So what is our help in the middle of that? Look at verse 26. It says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So the question is, who is going to help us in the middle of of people uh, responding negatively to the comprehensive lordship of Jesus? And Jesus is saying, you will receive help directly from the Father, that God will not leave us alone and that he will give us heavenly truth and strength from the Spirit. He says, I will send you the counselor. That's the one who encourages you. That though people might be responding this way or that way to trying to say, I'm trying to comprehensively follow Jesus and comprehensively submit to the word. People will respond in a variety of ways and we're going to feel discouraged. And he says, I'm going to send you the counselor who gives you strength. Not only that, there are going to be times where you're like, man, it's, it's tiring. I feel tiring saying that, that we should follow Jesus in all these areas and I'm getting pushed back from everywhere because I'm saying we should submit to Jesus, which means loving God and loving our neighbors, preferring others above ourselves, not using our freedom just to serve ourselves, but using our freedom to serve those around us. And I need some strength. And God is saying, I'm sending you the counselor so that you will have strength to do that very thing. What I love is that the spirit of truth will specifically lead the apostles to testify about the Lord. Right? That's what he says. He says, you have been with me from the beginning. He's talking to the apostles here. That means that the New Testament, the teachings and the writings that we have in, in the New Testament, that we can have a promise from Jesus that the spirit of truth led them to write and to speak and to teach those things even in the middle of persecution. So because the spirit gave them a testimony, we have the same testimony. And we have strength from the spirit to continue in that same testimony. 
Now, what, what, what I love about this is that Jesus could have not said this. He could have been like, well, let's just talk about the good things. But the, 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 the point is that that foreknowledge of pushback helps endurance. Look at, look at chapter 16, verse 1. I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you thinks he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. So Christian, what he's saying is you got to be prepared. That if you stand for the comprehensive lordship of Jesus Christ, there's going to be pushback. What's crazy is he says, listen, that some people will, will persecute you and push back on you because they think they're serving God. That they're serving the ultimate good. They'll say, they'll say, you know, Christian, the lordship of Jesus in this or that area, the lordship of Jesus in sexuality or how we respond to the immigrant or, or, or how we respond to abuse of power or how we respond to, the, to submission to the government. The lordship of Jesus in one of these areas is actually bad. And so we'll push back on you because we think we serve a higher good. And we just need to be, get our mind right and get ready for that. See, all the apostles, man, the, 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 the ones that Jesus called to preach the gospel, all of them except one were killed for preaching that gospel. Not only that, we have the record of later persecutions of people who followed in Jesus' footsteps. And I want you to understand, these, these people were not persecuted because they were rudely shouting at people in the streets. They were persecuted for patiently Loving their neighbor. Look at think about Cyprian and the, and the Christians in Africa at the time. During this plague, they were known for their service. They were patiently, lovingly serving their neighbor. Yet they stood for the comprehensive lordship of Jesus in all things. And that is offensive. One thing I, I think is unhelpful. It's unhelpful to have an alarmist mentality. When things are going wrong. When things are not going the way we want them to go, people are, are freaking out. Like, that's why all these conspiracy theories are, are taking root. People are like, what is this? Is this going to happen? Are we going to, you know, like, first of all, because Jesus already told you stuff was going to get kind of wonky, uh, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> it doesn't have to catch you off guard. It doesn't have to surprise you. It doesn't have to make you afraid. You've been given the counsel of the spirit of truth to strengthen you, encourage you, and protect you. Christians should not be alarmed, should not be known by their alarmist thoughts. They should be known by their faithful, enduring love and by their quiet confidence in Jesus. And so, beloved, we will face pushback now. <laughs> Yet, ultimately, rejection of the lordship of Jesus is not a rejection of you, but it's a rejection of the Lord himself. Now, with all that, he reminds us one more time in verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, you can imagine being in the apostles' shoes, hearing Jesus say, hey, by the way, people are going to want to kill you. You're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. You're going to get kicked out of church. You know, it's not going to go well for you. I bet they were like, well, maybe you should stay, Jesus. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't go wherever you said you're going to go. But yet he said it's of a benefit that he goes away. He is not going to leave us alone. He has not left us alone. 
See, his departure, he says, says I, I'm going away. What does his departure mean? It's packed with meaning, his departure. What did it entail? He went to the Father, but the route he went was first through suffering, where he was beat, mocked, spitted upon. But in his suffering, the Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. Not only did he suffer, but that he actually died on that cross. In his death, he took the consequences of our sin. Here's the deal. The, the world exists in opposition to Jesus, but beloved, all of us at one time or another were a part of that same world, and Jesus forgives our opposition. He was buried. He really died. He went to the grave so that we would not have to stay in the grave. He rose from the dead. He rose in victory, ensuring that we will have victory, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He rules all things and now pours out the Spirit. Our comprehensive Lord has given us a comprehensive gospel for comprehensive salvation. And beloved, he will come back. He's with us now through the Spirit, and he will come back to set all things right. So, so we don't need to think it's strange when trials come about. We don't need to be overly alarmed that hardship is here. We don't need to be so afraid if people have pushback against something that we may say. That is part and parcel of being submitted to Jesus, living under his lordship, and then going to proclaim that he is lord to others. This should not alarm us, beloved. Matter of fact, in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are you if others persecute you for the sake of righteousness. This is the teaching that we have. We need to be studying the testimony of the apostles. Remember, Jesus had promised that they, he would lead the apostles in truth, and that teaching is encapsulated in the scriptures. So that means that, that we give ourselves to Bible reading. That's why we have that Bible reading plan. Because I'm afraid that if we don't give ourselves to reading the scripture, we'll be tossed around. That's what it says in Ephesians 4, that if you're not built up in the truth, you get tossed around. Christian, ask yourself in the heart, in your heart, is my heart being tossed around every which way right now? If your heart is being tossed around and your emotions are being tossed around, then the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is are we rooted in the scriptures? Are we rooted in understanding the teachings of the Lord Jesus? And the last thing, beloved, is that we ask for help from the counselor. When things get hard, remember the promise. He said, it's better if I go, even if persecution comes, even if you get pushback, even if people don't like you because you do this or say that, even if all that happens, you remember that it is a benefit that I go away so that you would have the counselor, so that he would encourage and strengthen you. So, beloved, let's ask, Spirit of God, help us to endure and to proclaim the comprehensive lordship. And that does not mean being a jerk. It means that I love and serve my neighbor and I hold to my quiet confidence of the teachings of Scripture and I share this love of God with others. That's what he's called us to do because he is the Lord. And he will do what he said. He will strengthen us now and he will come back to set all things right. So, beloved, endure and trust. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your mercy, your kindness. Lord, I pray that through your word you've encouraged us. And I pray for your promise of the spirit. You have gone, you have died, you have uh, risen, you have ascended, you have done all those things because your love and your grace and your mercy towards us. So, Lord, Lord, strengthen our faith, help us re our resolve, don't let us be tossed to and fro by everything, but give us a quiet confidence knowing that you are good. And let us, let us devote ourselves to love and to service.
no matter the response. In Jesus' name, amen.